It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. One for three. One for three or yeah, one and that's two? That's what I meant. One for three. Oh, one for three. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> USC, baby. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 702 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday? Yeah, Thursday, April the 16th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Uh, please subscribe to, rate, and review this and all the other Locked on shows that you want to support. We have Locked on shows covering all the sport, all the teams in the Big Four Sports, or just about every team. we got the college programs covered as well. If you're an NFL fan, the NFL Mock Draft Special is out on the Locked on NFL feed. We've also got the Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Bill Simmons was the guest with Chad Ford this week, so if you are into Bill Simmons and into draft talk, please go and listen to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board with Chad and Bill. And uh, that's enough for the preamble. We have a great guest today that I want to get to on the show. Matt Devlin, the play-by-play voice of your Toronto Raptors, joined me to talk about a great many things. We talked about the title run, his experience re-watching everything as, uh, as TSN and Sportsnet played those games back. We talked about his snacking habits during quarantine. We talked about how he's keeping his hair maintained, his beard. Is he growing one or is he not? We got into this season and the uncertainty and everything but also how damn fun this season was with the Raptors and Nick Nurse and Kyle Lowry's roles in that. Great chat with Matt Devlin. Very nice of him to take some time to chat with me. It was awesome, and we will get to it now. Uh, Without further ado, the conversation with myself and Raptors play-by-play man Matt Devlin. Enjoy. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, joining me now on Locked On Raptors is the play-by-play voice of your Toronto Raptors. You've been hearing him re-aired of the finals run all the way through the last couple weeks on TSN and Sportsnet, and uh, I'm sure lots of people hear him in their sweetest of Raptors-related dreams. It's Matt Devlin. Matt, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing, Sean? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. I'm doing all right, hanging in. Um, Matt, we should probably start. I have a very important question for you to get things kicked off here. You are a man who has uh, a lovely head of hair. I would say it's a little bit longer a lot of the times than maybe some people on TV. I would say it's luxurious would be the way I would describe it. What is the Matt Devlin hair situation a month plus into quarantine? Has it been cut? Are you letting it grow out? Are you going with a top bun? What's the situation? Well, right right now, uh, yes, I'm very fortunate. I, I From what I understand... It's on your mother's side. Is that right? Is that what they say? I think it's like your mother's mm-hmm. 
grandfather, I think, is why you end up uh, having the hair. I don't know. I, I really don't, although I, I do know my father, who's uh, almost 80, uh, has uh, hair just like me, so maybe it comes from his side. But uh, <laughs> it right now is under a hat. There's been a lot of hats. Um, it's a hat kind of situation over the last month, and no, just letting it grow and you know, where are you going? I, I cut my, you know, I did cut my wife's hair and one of my son's hair. They trusted me enough to do that. So, uh, you know, you, you learn. There's like a five-minute video on YouTube of how to cut hair. Mm-hmm. All right, Sean. And after about 30 seconds, I figured I was pretty much an expert. So that's what I did. Yeah, just don't I cut any ears off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although Leo had some fun with that. He, he did post, I think, a picture of uh, me, uh, or supposedly me cutting hair. <laughs> and there was an ear on the floor. <laughs> and I so, was nervous, I will say that. I, I can imagine so. I'm scared to let my fiancé cut my hair. It's going to happen at some point because it's going to get too unruly, but I'm um, holding off as long as I can. In terms of the uh, the facial hair situation, too, I mean, you're a guy who's usually pretty clean cut, obviously, being on TV. Yeah. Have you let the beard grow out because you've had the opportunity to? Well, you know what? Uh, I typically do at the end of the season for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know what? Interestingly enough, like I'm, what, after about five days or so, I just, you know, typically shave. You know, like I, I just, I haven't let it fully uh, go like uh, Jack or Leo <laughs> at times or some other friends of mine who have decided to let it go. E. Smith, of course, always lets it fly, but. Uh, no, I've, uh, I'd say about once every four or five days, I uh, end up shaving. As long as I have shaving cream, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. I- I've uh, I've been holding off on the shaving as well. I- I'm just letting it, it's gross, it looks terrible, but might as well see if it can like form into something passable over the course of the next couple of months here. Um, Matt, let's let's dive into the title rewatch, I guess, that we can call it, that they ran on TSN and Sportsnet over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, you were uh, probably, it's probably a different experience for you going back and seeing those games than anybody else, considering it's your voice that's calling the games. What's your sort of vantage point when you're watching back those games? Are you kind of basking and getting to enjoy the games and picking up things that maybe you missed at the time? Are you critiquing yourself and calls you made? What's the Matt Devlin experience watching old Raptors games from last year's title run? Well, probably a little bit of all of that. You know, throughout um, the regular season and into the postseason, I do end up watching a lot of our games uh, because, as we know, you can uh, the next day, turn on NBA TV Canada, and the games are going to be running. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where ultimately, you know, I go to my office, turn on the TV. You know, I like to rewatch the game just to see exactly, uh, you know, how the Raptors, A, you know, was there anything that I did miss? Is there something that, you know, uh, on the air that I felt like I could have improved at or on? And so I always have done that, you know, throughout the years. I did that as well during the. Uh, playoffs as well, although I will say that game six I had never uh, I had had not had the opportunity to watch again game six of the NBA finals and a couple of the NBA uh, finals games mm-hmm. so you know that was just a lot of fun I, you know there was still some angst you know and and you know as much when you go through it and you recognize at the time 
at the end of a game six against Milwaukee or game six against uh, Golden State, how much time that actually took those final seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just, a, you know, that journey, Sean, was just such a special journey, you know, for everyone, right? And there, the thing that I think back about, um, you know, that two-month magical ride uh, is not only the, the Raptors' journey uh, and the players and uh, the staff, uh, but I think everyone that follows the Raptors, mm-hmm. and you hear so many, you know, personal stories about, you know, fans and, you know, traveling, and you get to meet them out on the road, and and just how unbelievable it was throughout those two months, everybody coming together. I mean, as we know, Raptors fans are the best. I mean, they always travel. Uh, but that one, you know, certainly when you're making a run like the Raptors were making, it it was just really cool to see uh, at Oracle Arena, you know, having, you know, Old Canada sung after games. And, man, there's just so many things I look back on that, uh, that were even outside of the game mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, just make it so special. Were you able to sort of take stock in the time as you were going through? I mean, it was such a whirlwind for everybody, I'm assuming, because you were traveling with the team and calling all the games. It must have just been an absolute blur, you know, from the Magic series all the way through. Were you able at all to sort of sit there and, you know, realize at the time that, hey, this is something amazing that I was just a huge part of, getting to call these games, my voice is forever attached to these games? Was that something you were able to do at the time, or was that something that maybe set in over the course of the last year or so? No, no, I think that while you're doing it, um, you know, of course, people are mentioning those sort of things to you, but as far as your voice being there, but as far as recognizing um, the impact and the surroundings, absolutely. You think back to 59 official, right, Jurassic Park watch parties Mm -hmm. during, you know, throughout all of Canada, Right. There was just, you know, you I think everybody was aware that an entire country, you know, was behind this team that extended beyond uh, Toronto, beyond, you know, the province. And, uh, you know, so it was something that, you know, I think that not only myself, Leo, Jack and Jonesy and Sherm and Eric and. Uh, not only the broadcast crew, but the coaches and, and the players always, I think, have a sense and understand uh, the importance, right, in that you, you know, it's, it's you know, an entire country that's behind this team. And, and so while you're going through that for two months, uh, for me, I was very cognizant of the fact that, you know, this was, you know, um, you know, these were big moments you know, that happened in, you know, game seven of Philadelphia, you know, it was the first game winner uh, of a game seven. Uh, you think about, you know, game six against Milwaukee being down 2-0, uh, you, you know, and then, you know, obviously Golden State won one, and then you go to Golden, uh, then you go to Golden State, uh, go to Oakland, and you take two. There's just so many unbelievable moments because, Sean, it all started with everybody saying, uh-oh, here we go again. <laughs> and and then the Raptors reeled off four in a row. 
And later in the postseason, uh, Kyle Lowry mentioned um, in one of his postgame pressers how Nick Nurse had gotten after him a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, you know, during the course of the season, the team, that is. And, you know, one of those times was after game one of the Orlando Magic. And they responded. Uh, and they were magnificent. And they just said, okay, you know what? It's Orlando. We let's not get into a series. Yeah. Let's let's just take you know. Let's just take it over, right? And and so, you know, then here we go into Philadelphia, right? And it really showed the brilliance of Nick Nurse, who uh, played big when, as we know, you know, Serge and Mark had played all the thirty-one minutes together, but he recognized that with the length and the size that Philadelphia uh, played at, that he needed to match that. And he had the bodies to do that, right? Why? Because of Masai and and Bobby Webster and how they put together the roster. And you get through that, and then you get to play more like you did during the regular season as far as rotations and what have you when you got back into Milwaukee as well as uh, into uh, the Golden State Series. But even those, and I can go on forever, but even those had different points of, you know, after game one and game two. So mm-hmm. just so many things that were so fascinating. And I did analyze a lot of it along the way. And, and in between series, you had to go back and look at it and uh, as you looked forward. But ultimately, the one thing... Sean, that I always recognized with this Raptor team throughout that journey was that they truly did. It was not a, you know, cliche in the sense of, you know, hey, that's just, they're just saying that. They did live in the moment. And I think a lot of that came from Kawhi. I think a lot of that um, comes from their head coach. And then it kind of filtered down through the roster. And they truly did just live in that moment and think about that one game. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Absolutely. Did you have a favorite game in the, in the run to call? I mean, maybe it's easy and it's the finals game six and that's, you know, yeah. when everything comes to an end. But, I mean, there were so many absurd games. I mean, game three against the Bucks. You got game six against the Bucks where they break through and you have that crazy comeback and the dunk. You've got game seven against the Sixers where it just was tense and, uh, like, stomach-churning the entire time. Is it as simple as game six of the finals being your favorite or was there another one that kind of stood out for you? Well, certainly because they captured the NBA title. To me, that stands as number one. Game seven against Philadelphia, you know, I was one of two people on television that made the call, Kevin Harlan being the other, Mm -hmm. you know, for the U.S. side, and then me, you know, here in Canada. You know, those opportunities, as you and I both know, do not happen often. Mm -hmm. A game seven game winner, that was the first ever. And so... You know, to me, that, you know, certainly stood out. And then when you go beyond that, I think 
game six, game game three, game six against Milwaukee, um, and and certainly you know game six against Golden State. But if you go back to Milwaukee, I never I'll never forget walking out of that building where I really felt like the Raptors that night should have won. Mm. As you and I both know, they didn't, right? I think they ran out of steam. Uh, and I walked out of the building in Milwaukee saying to myself that the Raptors are a better team. Yeah. And then, Sean, when you get into game two of that series, I thought that was the one outlier game. You know, just like it just, you know, it's you just were in a seven-game series. You had a game one. You ended up losing it. Game two, you know, here you are, and it just did not go well, right? And it was a letdown game. But to me, two things happened in that post game. One, Marcus All said, it's on me. Now, was it on him? Was it all on him? But he, as a veteran, stood up in front of the media and said, it's on me. Then Kawhi, when asked, you're down 0-2. Where are you going? What does he say, Sean? He says, I'm going back to Toronto for game three. Right? <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, everybody was just so – everybody took responsibility. Mm-hmm. Everybody was selfless for the team. And you say those sort of things – when you look at a championship team, you know, you know, how do you build a championship team? What is the character of the team? And, and it did exist. I saw it. And uh, so that was just really interesting to watch all that evolve. And then you get into game three, and you have the double overtime, and, you know, 52 minutes from Kawhi, and just, you know, unbelievable battle. And you leave that game and you're Milwaukee and doubt now sets in because you know you should have lost game one. You look back at game two and go, you know, that was just a game. You know, they just didn't play all that. And then all of a sudden, here it is, this battle, you know, against, you know, Kawhi and the Raptors and you lose. And for the Raptors to go on and do what they did against Milwaukee, uh, you know, just showed how good they were. And they, you know, that team, you know, a lot of people, I'll go back to game seven against Philadelphia because talking to you now, you have different thoughts kind of come up. But mm-hmm. you know, people forget about Serge Ibaka. Yeah. You know, Serge in that game seven had 17 points. I mean, you know, he was big time uh, in that first half and into the third quarter. And so, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, once you get through that Philly series in Milwaukee, you start seeing – you start to see, you know, hey, Fred Jr., right? But you, you, you start to see different players emerge once again. Uh, they stayed ready. Uh, they expanded their game. That's what, you know, Fred Van Vliet did, right? Mm-hmm. Against Philadelphia, couldn't get that three off. Why? Because they were up on him the length. And so instead of shooting a 23 or 24-foot three, he was shooting a 25, 26-foot three. Instead of just laying it off of the glass inside the square. Now on a layup, he's going in and he's putting it above the square, right out of the reach of the defender to try to get the ball uh, to land softly through the net. Those are the sort of things that when you're really locked in and you know that, because Fred knows it, Pascal, how great was he and Norm and, when you know that your time will come, you just keep doing the work, and then, boom, what happens against Milwaukee, Fred, you know, and then what happens against, you know, Golden State, Fred again, right? And then, 
through all of that, you think about the game six start of Kyle, uh, where he was just, you know, he was like, you know what, we're not going to game seven. Mm. So there's just, uh, you know, look at that. I, I went a lot of different ways. There just <laughs> because you start, I start talking about it, and, and it just brings back so many great memories and just so many great points that I look back on. And it was never just one thing. It was always a, a collection. And we haven't even gotten into the janky D, right? <laughs> oh, the janky D. Really made a, a mainstream hit this year, I think, with this year's team, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about the last season's run, Matt. You mentioned Game 7, the the call, you and Kevin Harlan being the only guys to, to call that on TV, uh, which is awesome. And uh, like you did a great job with that call, and I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times by now. Um, but of all the calls you made, in the postseason, I think your most timely, your most clutch came at the championship parade. I'm going to play that call for you right here. And have fun with it. A ha, 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 ha. Yeah! <laughs> what it do, baby? <laughs> I that just that just completely floored me when I heard it uh from my personal perspective so I was pretty close to where some of the the stuff was going on with like the the crowd stampeding and the the shooting that that went down and I was like pretty shaken uh in the five or ten minutes leading up to Kawhi's speech at the end there and then I, I ended up finding a friend, actually regular guest of the show, Katie Heindel, who will be on tomorrow's podcast. Make sure you tune in, everybody. Um, but so we ended up finding each other in the square and, and just started talking, and we're kind of regathering ourselves as Kawhi was speaking. And then Kawhi does the laugh, and then you come in with the perfectly timed what it do, baby. Did you have that planned as something you were no. going to use, or did, you just, did that just come off the top of the dome? That just came, uh, that just, that just came out on that day. <laughs> As you know, um, you know, it was quite a day, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think anything went according to script. And, um, you know, three million fans, you know, throughout. And, of course, as you mentioned, the unfortunate, you know, shooting. And, uh, you know, thankfully that did not escalate, right, as far as the stampeding. And, uh, thankfully, um, order did you know, restore, and um, and it was, you know, a, a day where uh, you look back on, and it's, you know, one of those surreal days. And so once the players started arriving to the stage, I, I, I had a script that, uh, you know, they had provided me, mm-hmm. you know, to interview the players and to do certain things, and, and I just kind of felt and I talked to uh, the production staff there and then I talked to the players that really you know look I I am a it's about the game it is about uh, the game tells you where to go I've always said that as an announcer right Mm -hmm. you never want to be bigger than the game the game tells you where to go and this moment when the players come on stage is really about them right Mm -hmm. and they've worked for this and so my thought was, I, I just really want to introduce the player and then hand them the mic, and they get the opportunity to say what they, you know, would like to say. And that was, you know, the same with Masai, same with Nick, and 
and obviously all the dignitaries, you know, they, um, you know, had more of a prepared speech and what have you. But I also thought that if you handed the mic instead of just doing a, you know, quote-unquote canned interview at that moment, there might be something magical that happens. And I think that there were, you know, multiple things that happened throughout that. Uh, so when the players started arriving, I went up to each player, started, I think, with Kyle, and I talked to Danny, and just said, hey, look, do you want me to interview you, or would you prefer me, you know, just to hand you the mic? And, and Kyle's like, no, nah, just hand me the mic, you know, mm-hmm. and Danny said the same thing. And I went through, you know, everyone. Um, and I went to Kawhi, and I, and, uh, you know, I asked him, you know, and he said the same thing. No, you know what? Uh, let me, um, you know, I'll just take the mic and, and have a few words. So at that point, you know, obviously, you know, we bring the players on, they start talking and look, I, I don't remember planning any of that. Uh, <laughs> it was all just kind of off the cuff at that point. Uh, it was, you know, ended up being, you know, obviously for, you know, so many, you know, great day. And then for so many, as, as you had to deal with a day that, um, you know, there was some tragedy there and, uh, you know, I, I heard so many stories later that day and the next day and the day after that, and the day after that about, you know, what happened, you know, behind, as I was looking at it on Nathan Phillips square behind the Toronto sign. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, that was, that was, that's a long way to say, no, that was not planned. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, it really did cheer me up. I was ready to almost pack it in and go home, take the train back to Hamilton. And then I decided, nope, Matt and Kawhi got me uh, excited enough that we're going to go continue the party into the wee hours. So thank you for yeah. that and, and, and saving my parade day. Um, I've already taken so much of your time, Jack, or Jack, Matt. I just had Jack on the radio show an hour ago, so I have you too oh, confused. He's, really yeah. <laughs> he's due. He's, he's doing great. I think he's holding in all right. But um, if you don't mind, I have a couple more for you here, Matt. Oh, yeah. um, so the, I, I wanted to sort of bring it ahead to this season. Obviously, a real bummer that this season got cut short, especially after that Jazz win on that Monday, which was just one of the most gutsy, surprising, and like most Kyle Lowry-infused wins I can remember. And, and it just, I think, was a perfect way, if it is going to go down as the last game of the season, which hopefully it doesn't, but it might, I think it was kind of a perfect way to sum up this season for the Raptors, which for me, I know like nothing's ever going to match last year's playoff run unless another playoff run like that happens again. But in terms of the regular season, this was hands down the most fun I've ever had watching a regular season Raptors team. I'm curious from your perspective, did you have that same sort of feeling? Was this a, a more enjoyable sort of, I mean, almost stress-free season compared to last year with all the expectation and everything? And um, what do you think we kind of missed out on and not getting to see this team, I mean, if it does come to an end here, not getting to see it through to its conclusion? Well, there's so many different levels to that. You, you think back to last season and you knew that you had Kawhi for one year. You're hoping that you'd have him for more. It ended up being one year, and you did exactly what you needed to do in that one year. Nick Nurse taking over for an NBA coach of the year. You think about the pressure uh, that he was under to win, and yet all along they said the regular season did not matter. You know, it was a dress rehearsal for the postseason, 22 different starting lineups. The emergence, the development of a Pascal Siakam all of last year, which I could go on forever and ever about, 
you know, putting the ball in his hands late in the game against Phoenix, right? All these things leading up to have big moments in the postseason. And this is a team that you talk to Masai, who from the day he got here, he said, we will win, we will win. And he continues to say that. And when you talk to Nick Nurse about um, this team, last season's team, compete. That's what they want, compete. You got to compete. You got to play hard. And this team, just like last year's team, they play hard. They get after it. And they do not use any excuses mm-hmm. whatsoever. We know the numbers, Sean, about how many player games lost. And yet here they are with the third best record in the NBA. We know, you know, to me this year, I, I think of, of Norman Powell and the consistency that he has shown in what has been an inconsistent year based upon his injuries, but yet his mindset now has totally clicked into, even when he comes back, boom, he's producing immediately. And just the development and the growth physically, mentally of this team, the chip on the shoulder, uh, the compete level that they have, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I agree with you, that Utah win, because as we know, Norm goes down, uh, it was gutsy. At that time, Utah went into the game, Sean, on a five-game winning streak. And if my memory serves me right, it was the longest winning streak at that time. I know in the Western Conference, may have been in the NBA as well. Mm-hmm. I know Milwaukee obviously had had so many lengthy win streaks. And on the second night of a back-to-back, where the team flies from Sacramento, you lose an hour, you're getting into bed at 3, 3.34 in the morning, uh, and then you wake up and, you know, team has a team meeting, uh, team meal, go over everything, get to the arena, get ready, and then, boom, uh, you go out and take care of business against Utah. A couple of things there. Um, Kyle is, I don't know if you can speak enough about his competitiveness, mm-hmm. right? You know, his number seven will be raised in the rafters. It will be the first, um, and he'll have a statue out front. Um, and he, he is someone, when the ball goes up, you want on your side. He changes games, and this, to me, speaks to, I was speak, you know, this is years ago, I was speaking to, uh, a friend of mine, Kevin McHale, right, who played with the Celtics, and we worked together uh, TNT for years. And um, you know, he used to always say to players, "Look, I watched Bird, you know, get a double double, and he didn't score. So when your shots off, what else are you doing to impact the game? Right? Bird ended up with a double double because he had ten or more rebounds and ten or more assists, mm-hmm. and." Now, whether or not that game ever existed, I never took the time to look back, but it certainly <laughs> sounded good because it, it, it speaks to Kyle. Maybe his shot isn't going, but how does he change games? He takes that charge. How many times, Sean, have we watched the Raptors game and we, we see his charge change the game? And so to me, you can't speak enough about Kyle and his edge that he brings on a night-in and night-out basis. And I think the relationship of Kyle and Nick, who are really competitive, and, you know, in most arenas I am close to the floor. Utah, I'm not. Um, 
but you see how competitive Nick is throughout the course of a game um, and how his mind works. And while he may have spent hours upon hours of preparation leading into the game, as the ball goes up, if plan A doesn't happen, he's got a B. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't just have a B. He's got a C, a D, an E, an F. He's got a lot of different options, and he's able to read the game. The other thing that happened after the game that night when Jack uh, spoke to Serge, I thought it really was fascinating and really cool. Here's Serge Ibaka having his best, would you say his best season as a pro? I mean, oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, statistically, it's right there, right? I mean, he's just, you know, and, and he's a vet. He's been around. He's been to two NBA finals, lost in Oklahoma City, where they thought they were going to be going back every year. And then that summer, you know, James Harden ends up in Houston, and they never get back to an NBA finals, right, in Oklahoma City. And, and they go their separate ways, and he comes back and wins it all, you know, last year with the Raptors. And he says in the post game in Utah, he said, our coach gives us confidence. Mm-hmm. And here's a 30-year-old man. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And he just said, our coach gives us confidence, right? You know, Nick, when he's in that huddle, whoever those five are, right? You're five. You guys are good enough. You can get this done, right? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, yeah, we don't have this player. We don't have this player. We don't have that. You know, he doesn't even mention that part of it. It's, okay, I'm going to put you all in a position to be successful. That's what, you know, elite coaches, what do they do? They, they read the situation. They're able to think on their feet. Um, and then they put players in a position to succeed. And, and that's what you know, Nick Nurse does. And I thought that was just a really cool thing uh, that Serge uh, said after uh, that Utah win. And then, as uh, we know, um, the world changed, you know, quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Serge there, too. I mean, Nick is obviously incredible. Serge has been amazing and sort of the steady force ever since he came back from his first injury of the season. And, and like, I'm finding that watching these guys, I mean, between Serge running his Instagram, you know, talent shows and everything he's doing with How Bored Are You and seeing Fred and all these guys. I mean, Marc Gasol dressing up like uh, Freddie Mercury last night. It's all, it's just the most likable group of guys you could possibly ask for. It's, I'm not relishing the idea of maybe some of these guys having played their last game with the Raptors. I'm, I'm moving into the realm where I'm like... Yeah, like free agency and having cap space is nice, but also maybe just pay these guys for the next five years because they're fun. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of. I haven't where gotten. I, am. I haven't gotten there yet. You know, I, I, I'm hopeful, right? That you know, there there will be um, a season, but we don't know. Yeah, right? for sure. And so I haven't gotten there yet. And I do think maybe, and it's a maybe, and I don't know. You know, do they say, okay, hey, look at let's. You know, let's quote unquote, as they like to say last year, run it back. And, yeah. and if if things don't work, you know, out like, hey, let's let's bring everybody back together. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, I think, for every team uh, because you don't know when it's going to start again. And and then, of course, you know the timeline to finish. And then, of course, you know when does next season start? And as we continually learn uh, on a daily basis, that you know we will more than likely have sports at the professional level without fans in the stands for some period of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how will that look, right? And, you know, will 
will there be one place where everybody goes? Will there be two designated sites where all the teams go? Um, you know, and, and, and we'll start to read this more through baseball, right, and how baseball, uh, you know, ultimately opens up. You know, do they all go to Arizona? And then, you know, certainly at the NFL level, you know, you'll see, you know, what happens there as things, you know, begin to unroll and when camp is supposed to happen. And, you know, obviously I think, you know, that you you won't see, um, you know, that season start, you know, on time in September, I would not think, Mm -hmm. uh, just based upon the information we have today. So, uh, you know, in the NHL, which we know is a very gate-driven league, right? Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see and and then I think of you know I think of the OHL too I think of the NCAA and um, it's it's uh, you know how do you you know I, I, it's it, it's going to be very interesting to watch to see how all of this un- unfolds because you know at the NCAA level the big house at Michigan mm-hmm. um, you know you have quote unquote amateur athletes. Uh, you know, are they going to play in front of empty stands? You're not going to have 114,000 people in there, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, on a Saturday, um, but yet do you put, you know, if you're a university, do you put those players out there on the field? I, I don't know. So uh, it's going to be very uh, interesting to see how all of these unknowns ultimately uh, get handled, and, and we only know through time. Absolutely. Matt, I've taken far too much of your time, but I have a few rapid fires for you on the way out. Are you ready? I may have taken more of your time. It's not like I got an appointment to go to. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here. I made a cup of coffee. I'm sitting in my office. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good for a little while. My kids are homeschooling, so, you know. Right on. Uh, all right, so rapid fire for you. Let's start with uh, favorite Charlotte Bobcats player that you called games for in your Gerald time. Wallace. As- Gerald Wallace. Okay, why Gerald Wallace? Crash. <laughs> uh, he, could, he could have played for uh, he could have played for this Raptor team, Gerald oh, yeah. Wallace. Yeah, you know he, especially with the way the game is today, without question, Gerald Wallace. Uh, you know, didn't have a great J, didn't need to, didn't need a play run for him. Uh, just played hard all the time. Uh, it's it's interesting. I got you know you got what three or four words into that i said gerald wallace <laughs> that was easy i love it and uh, no disrespect to matt carroll who is a a great friend and 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 one of my favorite uh bobcats as well yeah the, the looking back to these bobcats roster it's a uh it's a blast from the past for sure yeah. uh next one for you favorite non-basketball sport to call you've done the rogers cup cfl college football the blue jays what is your favorite well that's hard I've done so many different sports. I really do enjoy all of them. Uh, you know, baseball uh, is near and dear to my heart. I spent seven years calling minor league baseball and, and have called a lot of major league baseball games. But I, I would say baseball and football would be the other two for sure. Right on. Um, what kind of hockey parent is Matt Devlin. Your your son Ian was drafted to the Barry Colts a couple years ago. Your son Luke just drafted to the Hamilton Bulldogs right around the corner from my house he'll be playing. Um, what is the, uh, what, what's the Matt Devlin hockey fan, hockey parent experience? Well, 
You know, I'm not there often right? Uh, because I'm on the road. So my wife has the minivan, and she uh, has been amazing. I have three sons, and the two younger ones have played um, hockey for a long time. They love it. They play a lot of different sports. It just so happened that uh, they really took to hockey. Uh, you know what? I, I sit back and enjoy uh, my son's playing because I don't get to see him play all that much. Right. And, uh, I... I I have told uh, friends, I said, you know, every now and again, maybe you should just leave the rink for about two or three weeks and then come back and watch. Uh, <laughs> because you'll, you'll, you'll gain an appreciation for it, right? And so uh, this year uh, for Ian, Ian was offered by Barry at the end of grade 11. He played midget last year, and uh, he's going to be focusing in on um, NCAA, more than likely played this year for the St. Mike Junior Buzzers. And they were headed into the second round of the playoffs, and and that Mm -hmm. got canceled. It was fun this year with him playing uh, for the buzzers because you could get those games on the Internet. Uh, So when I was on the road, I'd be able to catch up and watch. And and so that was uh, a lot of fun this year with Luke. Obviously, his team was headed into the OHL Cup, which got canceled. It became a, um, you know, it was his draft year. you know, some of those games are online. You'd watch, but a lot of his games were at the same time that my games. Right. You know, with the Raptors were at. So you, there was, you know, you know, within each of their seasons, there there'll be six, you know, six weeks, seven weeks where I won't see them play a game, but I will get a chance to just go to the practice, grab a coffee, sit there, and and watch them. And I, um, as most parents get a lot of joy out of uh, watching their uh, children compete. I think that there's so many great lessons to be learned as, uh, you know, within, um, you know, team sports. Uh, I don't know if that kind of answers your, your question at all, but no, it's, uh, it's great. I, yeah. I just, I, I enjoy watching them play and uh, you know, about <laughs> uh Sean, I think it was two years ago where they finally told me, Dad, would you stop asking the question? Every year, right around this time, because this is when tryouts are and and everything, but Mm -hmm. as as you well know, at the AAA level, most of the teams are already put together before the tryouts. And I would always ask, um, you know, do you want to play hockey? Well, of course I would play hockey. Well, do you want to play, you know, AAA, AA, single A? Do you want to play select, house league? And, you know, finally, I think it was about two years ago where both of them just looked at me and said, would you just stop, you know, <laughs> would you just stop asking, of course, and we want to play AAA. And the reason why I, I, I always did that was because I wanted to make sure that it was them, Yeah, you know, that, that it wasn't me and it's not my wife. And, you know, as, as many people know, my oldest son has special needs, Jack, uh, who's just a beautiful soul. And so with me on the road, um, and the other two boys playing AAA and with Jack, there's just a lot going on. And mm-hmm. so we always just wanted to make sure that it was them that made that decision um, and that they were the ones. And there are many different uh, points. I say this for all parents. You know, there are many different things that y- you will know, you know, when your kids really do love it, right? And that's when you're not, you know when they're coming to you saying, Hey dad, I want to get on the ice, you know, or, <laughs> or you, you wake up 
as I did this morning. And, you know, both of my boys, I hear the door open up and they go out for a run and then they come back before they start their school, you know? Mm. So, you know, those are always signs to me that, you know, they do enjoy, um, you know, playing. And so that to me is important. So the overarching answer here is you're a good hockey parent, which uh, I feel like some people could take notes because, uh, boy, it gets dark out there. Uh, a couple more well, rapid fires for you. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. There could be a book one day. There could be a book one day. A <laughs> uh, couple rapid fires to get you out of here. Go-to quarantine snack for Matt Devlin. I've been really good, Sean, and I'm not really, you know, during the during the season I have preseason suits, in-season suits, and my postseason suits, okay? And they get bigger as the season goes on. Uh, that is a great question. I've been really good. I've been working out every day. Um, I, you know what? I have stayed away. I've only had two bowls of ice cream over the last five weeks, which is good for me. Um, you know what? There hasn't been one thing that I've leaned on. How wow. about that? It's amazing. That is amazing. Because I'm a snack guy, you know. I'm yeah. a I'm a definite snack guy, but there hasn't been one thing that I've leaned on at all. Well, that's okay. I'll eat all the jalapeno Cheetos for you uh, <laughs> in, in your honor as you live healthily and I do not. Uh, last I'm one. Saying, I'm not saying I'm doing anything healthy other than working <laughs> out, but there hasn't been one thing that I've you know, kind of leaned on, uh-huh. you know. Last one, almonds and cashews. I don't know. Just, mm, you know. Yeah, those yeah. those are tough because they're like healthy on the surface, but they're also just like there's a lot of yeah. stuff in oh, them. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Final one for you, Matt. Who do you think misses you more, Jack or Leo? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, that that is a good question. I I think right now they're I don't know. It's it. Here's the funny thing. Uh, maybe neither, right? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we are in a group text and, you know, with, you know, a couple of other buddies and, you know, we're in constant communication. Jack and I just talked yesterday, Leo and I talked, you know, like you're texting back and forth. And, uh, I actually have Jack's car in my driveway. <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, neighbors come up and down, like, what do you have New York plates for on your, well, when obviously all this happened, um, Jack's car was at the airport mm-hmm. and he had flown to uh, Florida. Yeah. And so after quarantine and all that, um, so that his parking bill wasn't, you know, uh, huge. I mean, it was big, but it wasn't huge, huge, huge. You can <laughs> imagine what it would be after a month. Uh, my wife and I actually drove out and, and got his car um, and brought it back. Um, and then, uh, my wife, a kind soul did his laundry for him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we got the car packed up and, you know, got the suits all laid out for him. And, and I, I jokingly said, you know, my youngest son is working on getting his license. I said, ah, I might just let him take it for a rip around the uh, neighborhood. And you, you know, Jack, if you know Jack, Jack's like, oh yeah, sure, Matt, if he needs to use it. I'm like, Jack, are you kidding me? I'm not going to let him drive your car around the neighborhood you know? <laughs> but jack's that sort of guy hey if you need it go ahead use it you know 
Oh, that's awesome. Matt, thank you so much. You've been very gracious with your time. I really appreciate it. I hope everything is uh, going well, the Devlin residence through quarantine and all this stuff, and hopefully we come through this on the other side sooner rather than later. Uh, This is a pleasure. Well, thank you very much for having me. And, um, you know, hey, look, I actually have another hour or two hours, so I'm I'm all good. Uh, But uh, seriously, thanks. Um, Appreciate it. And to all of those that are on the front lines, uh, from healthcare workers to those that are working in industries that are essential, uh, that allow us to continue to do what we do, which is stay inside and be safe. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to everyone and be safe. And thank you so much, uh, for all that uh, you're doing. So, Sean, thanks for having me on, and hopefully we're back to playing basketball at some point. Here's hoping. Thanks again, Matt. That is going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast and all of the Lockdown podcasts out there uh, covering all the teams that you love with three to five episodes a week right now as we continue to trudge on throughout sports. Uh, Tomorrow's episode is going to be a mailbag podcast. Myself, Vivek Jacob, and Katie Heindel are going to take your questions, so please get those in. And uh, that's going to do it. We will talk to you then with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.